Welcome back to St. Codependencia, a podcast about all things mental health, in particular codependency. I'm your host, Courtney Coleman. Been super nervous about <laughs> the second episode. I'm not really sure why. Uh, I felt like Mina from the movie Sing, the animated movie Sing, and she can't sing on stage until the very end. She busts out. Had a lot of Mina moments. <laughs> <laughs> That's good, Mina moments. But yeah, <laughs> this is kind of my personality. I am excited to start this new adventure. This is a new beginning for me. I've just started a brand new chapter in my life. And a lot of this stuff that I'm going to talk about has been birthed through a lot of emotional work, mental health work. And I wanted to share sort of how I got there and how I got to the healing and shed a light on some very sort of dark, secretive, hidden, tucked away things that are very just confusing. <laughs> Let's jump right in. Why is codependency so confusing and misunderstood? I was asking myself that. And I think that's why I've been struggling with getting this second episode under my belt because it's such a daunting task to try to muddle through it and and then also not you know misrepresenting what it is i think that the roots of the misunderstanding of codependency come from the term trauma i think that trauma is really the word that is the most misunderstood and in the physical sense like when you get into a car accident and you have major trauma to your body, it is very visible, it is very clear what to do, usually. And there's people who are experts and top of their field in training and treatment, ready to assist, depending on, you know, where you go and all that stuff. However, trauma emotionally, mentally, is invisible. And what I'm realizing coming from the stance of going through my own trauma and healing from a lot of things that were completely driving me into a dark, addicted place where some of my caregivers had been mentally. What happens in codependency is that you don't know how traumatized you've been. Coping mechanisms have been going in your life since before your awareness was really there. And dysfunctional behavior has been part of your normal everyday life. And I think things are changing now. I think that there's a shift in people's mindsets now. I think it's no longer socially acceptable to beat the hell out of your kid because it's awful and abuse. But this is not how it was just a very short time ago. Things are changing. Mental health is becoming recognized and it is just as important, if not more important than your physical health. And I always am a little bit baffled with the fact that when we have ailments in our body, when we have things that, that are bothering us, that are hurting us, that are preventing us from living healthy, full lives, we will seek out treatment normally. We will go and find a, a physical therapist. But what's happening is a lot of times our trauma is not physical. 
You might have a perfectly healthy body. You might work out every single day, but you are drowning in your life. And you feel like you are at the end of your rope or you are just out of control of your own emotions and you don't know why. And codependence, which I've identified myself as and realized that there is no shame in discovering that you're a codependent. It's actually like a great thing. Like, I'm a codependent. That's amazing. Now I know what to do. It's like figuring out you have a back problem and you go to a chiropractor. It's the same as this. It's like nobody's shaming anyone for having a bad back, going to a chiropractor. So in mental health, it's the same. It's like go find a specialist. You, your behavior in your life is probably showing that you have experienced trauma and that's what triggers are. But I'm getting off on all these ta tangents. I need to come back. And uh, guys, please bear with me. This is going to be a learning process for me because I have so much of these analogies come to me. It's like popcorn. And so I'm going to try to stay on one path. I have notes in front of me. I have bullet points. So let's notes don't fail me now. Okay. So codependence is really based on shame. And that was a big thing that I realized. Addiction is so much broader than alcoholics and drug addicts. It's not, it's, and people associate codependent or codependent relationships with like addicts, but it's so much bigger than that. And there's so many more people who are in really dysfunctional codependent states in their lives. And what I'm going to try to do is help dumb it down. I've been able to trace back so much of my pain that I've come up with these ways of looking at things that are so much easier and they're really, really easy to look at in a certain way. Codependents are the go-getters, the super high achievers, the go, 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 and they give and they give and they give and they break down. Codependents are usually given caretaker roles very early. These are the kids that were the little mommies and daddies that were taking care of everything. And if your parents were chaotic or highly anxious or highly depressed or addicted, these are the kids that step into parent roles way too early in life and they become praised for eliminating their own needs. So by th them not needing anything and not being a child, which every child needs things, food, shelter, love, touch, nutrition, you know, all of these things, dental care, but not every kid gets these because not every kid, not every parent got that from their parent. And so I've been tracing so much back to childhood trauma and I want to share what I've learned and I've kind of come up with these analogies to hopefully make it kind of like a cliff note, like a cliff note version of something. And so that even if you've never gone to one therapy appointment, you can understand that this is something that would be beneficial for you to look into for yourself. I like to say that I'm a cycle breaker, a system buster, or like somebody who just wants to burn down. I want to burn down like the old mindsets and the views of how people were parented <laughs> and how parenting is so super imp important. And it wasn't too long ago where kids were just expected to be seen and not heard. And children were, it was like giving kids keys to the car and just saying, go drive. 
hope you don't crash. And then those kids had kids and those kids had kids and those kids had kids. And so what's happened is I think that there's a lot of generational trauma that has been passed down, but nobody freaking knows it because there's no visible signs usually because you're praised for the cover-up of the dysfunction. You're praised for enabling the dependent. And so the codependent puts their own self-worth, their own value in something other than their authentic God-given self. But when your parent is not in their own authentic self, there's no way for the child to understand how to find their authentic self. And so this is where the analogy comes in. I thought about a flower box because it's something physical that represents like all stages of growth, like a lifespan, infants to adult to senior, etc. It's also like your first car, like something your parents give to you after you learn how to use it. That's kind of how it is. Like the ideal situation is that the child grows up and has a beautiful flower box full of blooms or like a perfectly maintained vehicle that gets them everywhere they need to go. That's how parenting is. Parenting is having your own flower box and then your children's flower box until they're ready to completely take over the care of it. And you are planting seeds in your flower box and your children's flower box and your mom and dad are planting seeds in their flower box and in yours, unless you have parents who are no longer living. If you had parents that were non-existent, if you had parents that just didn't show up for you, it, it, it doesn't matter. But whether or not your situation is present day, things that happen to you as a child will eventually start to show disease. So that's why I got into this analogy. When you put things in a flower box that are positive, sunlight, food, water, you know, the right environment, good foundation, positivity yields blooms, growth, pretty flowers, attractive things that want people want to be around you. And it's beautiful. There's some people that don't realize that their, their parents have diseased flower boxes. And those seeds were subconsciously planted in their flower boxes. And without the upheaval, the uprooting of the diseased seeds, which is grieving the trauma then you will you will die with the disease eating you up. Sorry, that got so fucking dark. <laughs> I'm really sorry. <laughs> but it's true, guys. This is this is serious stuff. And the reason why I really want to do this is because the effects of codependency aren't in the first 20 or 30 years. They're in the second half of life where this is no longer about whether or not you know anything about flower boxes or or mental health or anything. You've got a full-blown addiction at that point because you needed treatment, but it was never diagnosed. So parents and grandparents are seed planters and gardeners. They show children what to do. They show how to maintain a garden or a flower box, and that's how you maintain your life. So if your mom or your dad is afflicted with anxiety or depression or any other, you know, mental illness or physical illness or anything like that, if they are currently actively in pain, that seed is planted in you. 
And just like parenting, gardening isn't easy. I don't know who, any, if anybody's like really like expert gardener, but like it's lots of trial and error. And that's the thing about parenting is that most people give their parents tons of grace because it's hard. Life is hard and nobody wants to blame their parents. And I'm not saying you should blame your parents. I'm just saying, hey, there's just some disease here. And there is treatment out here that can help you be a healthy, happy plant and flower box. And so mental illness, like anxiety and depression, is like a fungus or a disease that's growing in your in your flower box. And sometimes you can put things on it that are like superficial, that help you, you know, with something. Sometimes the seeds of these anxiety and depression are so deep that they have to be completely uprooted. And that's what happened with me. I'm going to share a little bit about my story, just so everybody knows a little bit about how I got here. You know, my father was a full-blown alcoholic my whole life. I was the firstborn. I took on, you know, a lot of the parenting role when we were with him. I was put in a lot of dangerous scenarios as a child. He was actively negligent. There was no um, physical or sexual abuse ever. And he was not like a belligerent drunk or anything. He just always wanted the party to keep going. And so for me, I lived a lot of my life in denial of what I knew that he was so sad because it's apparent in someone's life and in their flower box. My dad tried to say, oh, I'm happy. I'm happy. He would try to, he would get drunk to a point where he would, he couldn't feel his sadness or depression or shame anymore. And he would pretend that he had flowers, but his, his diseased fungus was rampant and he didn't treat it. And so it wasn't until his passing when I was pregnant with my second child great time for that to happen. (laughs) You know, I got to a breaking point in the pandemic because I was running from the entirety of my childhood. It was something I couldn't run from anymore because I, my disease was overgrowing my garden. And so I went and I got help at the Meadows a wonderful place. Please check it out. The Meadows at Rio is where I went. And I went to a childhood trauma workshop for a week and changed my life. And basically what I did is I uprooted my garden. I completely uprooted it. That's what's so amazing. And that's what I want to share because the beauty of doing all this hard work and uprooting your garden and feeling all of this trauma that you've experienced that you want to hide and run from, you can't heal unless you've uprooted the disease, the diseased trees, like in Milana. Oh my God, I'm such a mom. Guys, I have a lot of animated film (laughs) references, so I'm a huge dork. But how great is it that we can plant a new garden? You can uproot all of that diseased shit and start a new life. And what a wonderful gift you can learn what beautiful things you need to make your garden grow. And your garden does not have to look like your parents' garden or your grandparents' garden unless you want it to. And on top of that, planting a new garden is essentially 
re-establishing all of your all of your relationships in your life once you can really grieve the trauma that you experience as a child and realize that it wasn't your fault your behavior after the trauma is your responsibility and you have to take ownership of that but the grieving of it allows you to say okay i'm not that person anymore i'm gonna start a new garden this is who i am now <laughs> and i'm gonna plant seeds of positivity and i'm gonna put really really good healthy things in my garden and i'm gonna water it and i'm gonna give it sunlight i'm gonna connect with god i'm gonna meditate i'm gonna have positive things in my life i'm gonna eat healthy these are all these things that we know in our minds are good for our mental state yet why don't we do them we walk around with fungus in our flower box and just kind of throw new seeds in here like charity organizations or kids activities or whatnot and we have all these new plants going but no one can really get the disease out totally until you do this inventory of trauma and what you may think is trauma isn't what you what you experienced like you may think that you have had to have gotten so abused every single day of your childhood to to be in a very very dark place now but there are so many ways that parents sort of administer abuse mentally in silencing children in taking away their choices their voices and shaming them and bullying them and then of course in physically hitting them abusing them sexually or psychologically or religiously, threatening eternal damnation if they act out. You know, there's a lot of ways that trauma occurs mentally. And most people have been so ignorant of what they've experienced it and how it affects them now. So where's the great news? Here's the great news. God is the master gardener. And he's saying, don't be afraid to replant your flower box at any time. Uproot all of your roots. And that means to your parents, to your grandparents, to your job, like all of your roots that are going into your life. Look at your life, see where the disease is, and then you can treat it. And it's going to be in places that are uncomfortable and they're hurting. But there's treatment out there and you can get healing and you can live in a really beautiful flower box full of blooms full of badass shit that people want to be around and hang out with. And you are going to spread that love of beautiful God-given gardening towards people's authentic self. How great is that? Instead of passing on disease into other people's flower box. That is the message for today, guys. Thank y'all so much for joining me. I will be back soon with another message. Please be advised that I am not a licensed therapist, nor do I have any degrees in mental health. I strongly encourage everyone to seek out the care of a mental health professional. And as always, go find your light and where you begin is within. Bye.